there now, dear. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, sadly I can. Sorry, mate. It's uh, I've had to uh, move my computer in the last day or so, so the um, internet connection wasn't bloody working. So I've just had to reboot it, and now realise that it's working, so we're okay. Did you unplug a thing and forget to plug a thing back in? Golf. Oh, happy Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> Just going back to last episode, we talked about Christmas films. Yeah. I, the reason I put you off for half an hour was so that I could finish The Bishop's Wife. And I haven't felt so Christmassy in a long while as I, as I did when I finished watching that. So you've, you've never felt so Christmassy as when you finished off The Bishop's Wife? <laughs> the noise was a bit much, but otherwise we were fine. <laughs> Let's get on. Right, crack on. Happy Christmas. Off, off we go. Happy Christmas. Marvellous. Right. Um, hello, good afternoon, good evening, good welcome, good night, and good morrow, one and all, to the final, the final, can you believe this, the final Unsalted Popcorn podcast of the year. And at the other end of the line, we have our old friend, our old muck, our old moaning old git, Gavin King. Hello, son. How are you? I'm not so bad, sir. Not so bad. Good to hear from you finally and at last. Uh, right, a quick bit of housekeeping before we crack on with the fun and the games. It has been yes. pointed out to me that we've done, this is the fourth one of these we've done, and I have at no point explained to the world who the hell I am or why you should listen. Absolutely. Um, so I ought to do that, really. Uh, my name is Khan Johnson. I write the Unsalted Popcorn blog. I write about films. I'm a film critic and journalist. And the reason you should listen is because, A, we're funny, we're clever, and we know what we're talking about. Well, I am. He, Gavin just makes it up. Um, Sorry, somebody just walked in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's the dog trying to get to sleep on the beanbag. Um, <laughs> right, what we're going to do today, but now we're now finally connected, according to my little recording thingy, I pressed the button. We are going to talk about what I declare to the world are the 10 best films of the year. And yep. as we go through them, you can join in on the ones you've seen yep. and tell me to shut up on the ones you haven't. Yeah. Because uh, I'm willing to bet I'm going to take a punt now that you have seen no more than two of my top ten. Yeah, yeah, probably right. That's my guess. Yeah. Can I just say, though, that's two more than The Guardian's top 20. <laughs> well, someone actually tweeted the other day, ten, ten films you probably haven't seen but should but should have done. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. Ten films you probably haven't seen but should have done and then linked to my top ten of the year. And I thought that was quite nice. Oh, that's very nice of them. Yeah, uh, was that somebody from The Guardian? I Sadly not, no. It was uh, a well-known film blogger from America who I've never heard of before and probably will never hear of again. Well, I'll be damned. God bless her. Oh, wonderful stuff. I didn't even, didn't even have to pay them, which makes a change. Um, yeah. No. Right, well, I'm going to do have a little... Uh, we'll start off on a lighter note, and we'll Ugh. start off with the films that were utterly, utterly shocking this year, the ones that really stood out as being atrocious. Oh, yeah. Um, we're we're going to get interrupted at some point, I'll warn you now, by the cat <laughs> playing with the cardboard and the blind dog desperately trying to stop the cat playing with the cardboard. It's Look, gonna... Can I just say, are we going to get the Jimmy Savile joke in now or later? I think we should save that for later. They're proving oh, popular. Okay. Let, let's yes, just, they are. Let's just see where it turns out this month, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> um, before, before I... I, Ruff! I, I Ruff! <laughs> oh, you've got something in your Harris. Um... <laughs> 
No, uh, do you want do you want to have a, a little word about any films you've seen this year that you wished you hadn't? Well, um, can I just go to whatever that thing was that I can't remember? Narrow it down. That's a lot of things in your life. Well, it is, it is, but it's that thing that tried to be sexy beast and wasn't. With, uh, what's that? He's on stage doing some classical shit at the moment, and everybody's giving him rave reviews. And he played this villain in this movie, trying to be Jude Law, Jude Jude Law, and Richard Richard E. Grant. Yes, you've got him. Don Hemingway. That very well done, sir. Very. You see, that's the difference between the 40 years between us. Yes. Yeah. And can I just say that that was possibly not only this year, but in fact one of the most pathetic attempts at a Ben Kingsley sexy beast person that I have ever seen in my life. And the worst thing about it is that it's the same people that did Sexy Beast. Oh, dear. So therefore, that film was... That, Sexy Beast has gone down in my estimation to the extent that these people thought they could do it again. The other one I would just like to say is that I took a child to see Frozen the other day. For legal reasons, I'd like to point out this is a child you are related to and allowed to take to the cinema. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) My my youngest daughter, who is three, (laughs) (laughs) and she fell asleep, and I thought, I love Disney. This is a Disney film. It's back to form. Why wouldn't I like it? Well, if I was a gay male without any children and with my boyfriend, I think I would have been up and dancing. As it is, I'm a straight male with my daughter and we went and drank a load of margaritas. Well, at least it wasn't a wasted afternoon. Well, this is true. I, I never wasted an afternoon drinking margaritas. No, you know, that's definitely not the case. No. See, I'm kind of, I'm slightly perturbed by both of those because I only saw the trailers for Frozen and I only saw the trailers for Dom Hemingway and I thought they were both really good. Uh, excuse me. But that's excuse the trailers. Me. This is the thing, you see. I, somebody, in, in, two, in, in two and a half minutes, say, it looked Somebody okay. of your experience. Well, I know, I know. I know, know I know. know the trailers don't work. I know. I, I fall for this every time. Have they? And there's a couple of them coming up, actually, in my, in my, my very brief shit list. Have you, seen, have you seen the trailer for 47 Ronin? Oh, God, yes. It, oh, dear. Great. It looks great. I want to go and see it. Yeah, do you know it's utterly, utterly, utterly tanked in America? It's not just been given a shooing by the critics. It's not even picked up an audience. Mind you, though, again, so did Heaven's Gate. And now Heaven's Gate is actually being rehabilitated. Well, in that case, I'll hang on 30 years, then I'll watch 47 Ronin, (laughs) and then I can decide it's all right. Um, right, so the, the, the crap films that sort of stood out for me this year, well, one was The Great Gatsby, which was uh, utterly, utterly atrocious. Um, it was all over the place, and right up until the point they all had the get-together in the hotel room, at which point it went from breakneck speed to snail's pace and didn't improve. And there was, was, a that mo- the, was that the orgy scene? No, no, that got cut. That's on the director's cut version. Uh, and there's a moment when they have a row in a hotel and a woman gets punched and no one stops and goes, hang on, you can't do that. Everyone acts like, oh, OK. And it's just such a horribly distasteful moment. I just really wish I hadn't seen it. Oh. Uh, Man of Steel was also 
appallingly dull and how you know it's a superhero movie and they just managed to make it awful uh machete well, on, kills... the Guardian, on the Guardian oh, yes. top, top 20 list yes there was a comment at the bottom who said well i bet you haven't got man of steel in there no shit sherlock i don't think i think if i nobody will have man of steel in their top 20 or 10 no. or 5 or even top 100 yeah uh, Machete Kills was another one. I don't know if you saw Machete a couple of years back. Uh, Danny, don't, don't be silly. No, that's true. Danny Trejo. Um, Machete yeah. was stupid. It was a dumb film, but my God, it was fun. People being, It had Lindsay Lohan as a nun. It had people being killed in all manner of weird and wonderful ways, and it just shot along at breakneck speed and made no sense with a lot of violence and death. And that, to me, was superb. But then they go and make a sequel. <laughs> the, se- the, the sequel starts with the trailer Hang for the on, third sequel, one. Hang on, a sequel to shit is what? Uh, diarrhea? Shit squared. Yeah, diarrhea, probably. <laughs> um, and it starts with a trailer for the third film. And then the first half hour is, again, bonkers fun with people getting killed. And then it starts to take itself yeah. seriously and have a proper plot and a political undercurrent. And you're just watching it thinking, kill people. Don't have anything to say. Don't make a point. Kill people. Bring back Lindsay Lohan as a nun. Yeah. I've never watched a film and thought this film needs Lindsay Lohan as a nun in it. But I did watch Machete Kills. And you just think, just stop now. Stop everything you're doing and kill people. For half an hour, lots of blood and guts, call it a done deal. Don't try and be, make a serious film. And at the end of it, they go, yeah, we weren't joking about the third one. It's on its way. And you just think, oh, I want to die. Uh... And then there were two that came along that were kind of similar. There was the Bling Ring and Spring Breakers. Now, both of them were about a teenage gang going on crime sprees. Oh, yeah. The Bling yeah, Ring was based on an actual that. true story. Spring yeah. Breakers was about a group of girls who have to go robbing people so they can go on spring break. Didn't they, didn't they call it Skins for the Cinema or something? Yeah, I think that was one of the, one of the sort of tags it got hit with. Yeah. And yeah. they they also had the parallel that Emma Watson was, was it was Emma Watson's first sort of proper role post Harry Potter. Oh yeah. And Selena in, in Bling Ring and Selena Gomez, who's a some alleged child pop star thing, uh, was in Spring Breakers. So that was her sort of grown up look I can do proper acting kind of thing. Really? Yeah. And she can't. And you just sat there watching both of them thinking somewhere very deep within this is a really good film. It's happened on both occasions. Somewhere here is a really good film that I really want to watch, but this isn't it. And the directors on both occasions were just all over the shop, and they managed to create an utter mess, which raised moral questions. In the case of The Bling Ring especially, it didn't go far enough to say, woohoo, we think these four idiots are brilliant, in which case you can go, okay, fair enough, you've, you've made your point. Or it didn't go as far as to say, this is a horrible thing they did, this is morally wrong, and we should look down on them it didn't cause a judgment either way it just went straight down the middle going this happened mm. you know, and I want to be told it happened I want to I want some sort of closure I want some conclusion I want you to actually have an opinion and then I'll decide whether I agree with your opinion I want you to take a stand on what's happened no and in both cases you just walked out of the cinema thinking oh, I've just wasted another two hours of my life right so the much 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 vaunted unsalted popcorn top 10 of 2013 we will do we will do this in the finest top of the pops countdown without the uh, paedophilia uh, oh, 
Now, can I just say... Oh, God, yeah. Yes. ...that, in fact, he's dead now, so that's okay. Oh, right, that's fine, then. Right? Yeah. But Alan Freeman... (laughs) Oh, bless him. Oh, I've got a a story about him, yeah. Is that the story I'm going to tell now? No, but carry on. Ah. Um, I was once in a band that was named um, Quiz Kid Band of the Year 1977. And we had to go to to London to collect the prizes. And we had to go to the recording of the final of Quiz Kid UK 1977. And we already knew that we had won. And they recorded the bit where we had to come up and uh, get the award from Les Gray of Mud. Yeah. Now, on the way down, in the band, we had a girl violinist who became quite famous. And at that time, Fluff Freeman had a Saturday afternoon show where he had bands on doing sessions. Yeah. So we were desperate to have a session on his show. So we said to her, look, when we get there, would you mind making sure that you make a date with him and sleep with him so that we can get a session on his show? (laughs) It took a long time and a lot of drugs to actually get her to say yes, but in the end she said yes. And we get down there, and the first thing that happens is that Fluff Freeman chases me across the room trying to kiss me. (laughs) I managed to fight him off, and the female violinist comes to me and says, well, I was prepared to go to bed with him for a, a session. Get your ass in there. Did you get Thank the Thank you, Fluff, and we still didn't get the session. Here we go. In at number 10. Yeah. The 10th best film this year was the wonderful horror story, American Mary. Did you see it? No. Nah, I thought not. No. It stars Catherine Isabella, and it's written and directed by the Soska sisters, Jen and Sylvia. It's a horror story with quite a nice little message. Um, Mary is a student who is struggling to pay her bills, so she somehow gets roped into doing some body modification as a favour for a friend, and she gets some good money from it. And this, oh, this turns I've read about this. This turns yeah. into a sideline, oh. uh, which then also becomes a very handy skill when she wants to enact revenge on a man who date raped her. Oh, and it's so slickly, stylishly shot, and it's just got an arrogance about it and a sexuality and just, it just oozes cool. It's one of the coolest films I saw this year. It's just utterly, utterly brilliant. What country is it from? It's Spain? American. It's American. American? Yeah. Okay. Hence, I'm going to go out on the limb here, why it's called American Mary. Yeah, yeah, but you can never tell, can you? Well, that's very true. You can't. So that was, no. that was my 10th best film of the year. That was, that okay. was lovely. All right. Well, I should look out for that one. If it ever, ever appears on, uh, on Flixnet. <laughs> other, film, other services are available. <laughs> the ninth best film this the year. The Tesco one I haven't tried yet. So uh, if Tesco would like to sponsor us, I'm very happy for that. Oh, excellent. If we can have some more club card points as well, that'd be lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Sign up. <laughs> right, at number nine was nine. the wonderfully, wonderfully twisted and decadent filth. Ah, now that was in uh, that was in the Guardian's top ten indie films. They have to go and I, break it down to indie films. And I think and I think in the in the Times it was actually in their top ten tried to bleed in hard. Oh, list. God, how pretentious tossers! 
I'm guessing you I, didn't. I'm still here. <coughs> I'm guessing you didn't catch filth, did you? No, I didn't catch no. filth. Um, no, no. I, mean, I haven't had any filth for a long while. That's not what you told me the that's other fair. day. Um, well, uh, <laughs> James McAvoy has had <laughs> that, a good year. That was it? virtual. That was virtual. Oh, virtual filth. Well, that's very different. Yeah. Well, this is actual filth. James McAvoy uh, uh, is the star of it, and he's had a very, very, very good year. He's been in three, I think, three brilliant films. Um, and this is, for me, in my money, the best of the lot. And he plays a bent copper who does love a drug or two and does love a drink or two. And he's trying to deal with the fact his wife may or may not have left him. And his mind, he's basically having a complete mental breakdown while so trying to solve a hang crime. Hang on a second. You're saying he's bent copper. Yes. Which assumes that not all coppers are bastards. That's a broad assumption and not always an accurate one. Okay, two is that it was a film that I could never, ever actually get to terms with because I've forgotten what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, so that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, there's a lovely bit in it as well. I'll just edit that bit out. Ramble. Yeah, ramble, ramble, ramble. There's a lovely ramble. bit in it as well. Jim Broadbent plays his, his, um, his doctor who takes on a whole new persona in his head. And he keeps yeah. having conversations with him that I may or may not be real. And it's one of the most over-the-top performances by Jim Broadbent I've ever seen. And it's just an utter masterclass. It is wonderful. It's one of those that you you come out of it, you feel dirty and horrible and nasty. But it's in a good way. In a really good way. Really? Yeah. Is it like me coming out of Frozen? No, the opposite. Uh Okay. And it, it's, it's it's a weird film because or well, not a weird film at all. It's a brilliant thing that if you watched Filth and Blue Jasmine in the same yeah. week as I did, yeah. you needed to check into the Betty Ford Clinic at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I take it we're coming to Blue Jasmine, so I'll shut up if you would. Yeah. Uh, right, ten, nine, eight, eight. I said the eighth best film of the year was Laura, which was a German film, and it was set in World War Two. I'll take a punt and go, you're going to say, what? No, no, I know what World War Two is. Oh, okay, fair enough. Then. I'm, yeah. I'll true, you were there. Um, yeah. It, it stars a young actress called, if I can read my notes, Saskia Rosendahl, who uh, puts in a wonderful performance. She's the central character. And she plays the, a girl whose family were high up in the Third Reich. High up Nazis yes. and how she's come to deal with it. Yep. I've read about it as well. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of these things I actually read about and actually get to see them. Laura, it was quite a, a harsh film, but it was actually quite uplifting as well because it's the way she has to embrace her new environment. She takes on control of her family. She has to confront her own ingrained racial hatred and overcome that in order to survive and it's just, oh, her performance is just heartbreakingly fragile. It's wonderful. Uh, you're not convincing me. I didn't think I would. No. No. There's, there's, a, there's, there's at least two more that are going to get that response, one of which actually got me punched by my wife. Um, <laughs> right, at number seven. Yeah. I said the seventh best film of the year was The East. Oh, good God almighty. Not the West. Not, not the West. The North, not nope. the South. Nope. Nope. The East. Yeah, which was it's kind of a very sort of prescient to our to our times and what we all a lot of people are feeling towards multinational corporations and stuff. The East are a group of, for want of a better word, eco warriors. 
who target companies who have wronged the world in some way. Okay. And among them, you've got Alexander Skarsgård, he of True Blood fame, and the wonderful Ellen Page. And it's written by a woman called Britt Marling, who also stars as a security officer for a private company who gets hired by these corporations for protection. And she gets hired to infiltrate the East and try and bring them down from within. And it's that wonderful world where the boundaries blur and she forgets whose side she's on because she can suddenly see what they're trying to achieve and why. And she, But she knows she's got a job to do. And it all gets lovely, beautifully ambiguous as to who's right and who's wrong. And it's so tense and so dark and so well made. It was utterly gripping for hours. So I'm guessing I'm not selling that to you either. You don't think that sounds like a, an amusing way to spend an afternoon? No. You don't do di- uh, sort of dark and tense and worthy, do you? Well... Unless the Times happen to give me a free, free ticket to yeah. one of them, and I sit there and go, oh, well, good God, that was actually uh, dark and doomy and worthy. I mean, to be honest, I don't do worthy at the cinema. Oh, you should. You should. No, 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 no. Look, life is dark enough for me as it is. I mean, I'm going to have to go off and slit me throat in a minute. As, I mean, after you've been talking to me, well, so that's true. God knows what these films would do. Uh, well, actually, yeah. On that note, yeah, let's get move on to number six. Number six. Only God forgives. From the director who brought you Drive, and again starring Ryan Gosling. This time also starring Kristen Scott Thomas. Ah, it's ah, setting. Now you said, a, oh. now you said a name that. Yes, that I know. Yes, yes. but yes. You need to watch this because of your particular affection for her acting abilities because she puts in one stunning, oh, she's, she's stunning right. performance. She oozes, oozes sexual predatoriness. She's absolutely wonderful. It's, it's, it's not a popular film, I'll be honest with you. Uh, people either loved it or hated it. It's set in Bangkok and it's very, very richly shot. And it's got a very lush, opulent palette of colour and... It's so, so slow-paced, you can almost oh, feel yourself Oh, hang on, hang on, excuse me, I shall have to interrupt here. Oh, must you? Yes, I must. Oh, dear. Can I just say no. three words? No. No. Lost, no. Lost in translation. No. no. Yes, lost I, in translation. No, because I've got a riposte and... to you for that that's coming up later on, Sunshine, and you have no comeback <laughs> after that. Oh, God, there's another lost in translation. We'll come to that. But oh, no, dear it's, God. It, it's, but it's brutally violent. It's actually... Listeners, can I say... Oh, must you. I didn't marry that man. <laughs> I fathered him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, only in the loosest sense. It's not an easy... It's, you know, actually, it's not an easy film <laughs> to watch, but it is so slow-paced. You've just got to allow it to wash over you and just wallow in the opulence of this story of twisted crime and revenge and violence. And honestly... Scott Thomas's performance as the mother. She's an evil, evil harridan. But, God, she's wonderful. She could be an evil harridan with me any time she wants. If you watch this, mate, you'll never leave the house again for fear of she may call while you're out. You she will just knock on my door, be the evil harridan, yep. eat me, yep. leave, yep. leave my body for you to find, and I'd still die with a smile on my face. Yeah, it'll take a while to find the body. I only visit you once a year. <laughs> 
Anyway, right. <laughs> anyway. Number, number five. five. Number five. The wonderful, the wonderful, and I'm looking forward to your story about this, Blue Jasmine. Ah, uh, Blue Jasmine. Have I got a story to tell about this? We'll come to that. Uh, um, I mean, the, the, this is the running joke on the on the blog and among my filming my, my filming buddies. Yeah. The, the joke, the laugh always is, whenever Woody Allen has a new film, it's like an Oasis yeah. album or whatever, it's always the best thing they've ever done. And in this case, it was actually true. And it is a real return to form. It's kind of poignant and sad and slightly dark and twisted. And Kate Blanchett as the lead, as Jasmine. You can't, she's not likeable in any way, shape or form. She's so... I fancied her. Oh yeah, that's my point. Ah. But as a character, she's so narcissistic and self-obsessed and self-absorbed and she just completely obliterates the whole world. Is that wrong? Yes. There is a viewpoint that suggests taking on board other people's opinions is better. (laughs) Not a viewpoint you share, I appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) But, there you go, Alec Baldwin. But you see, see badly cast. No, badly no, no, cast. no. It was. Too, it was. Oh, you that did. was badly cast. I mean, it, it, in fact, if if they'd have put oh, the equivalent of Alan Alder in there, but not Thirty Rock Alec. No, 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 no. That was badly done. In fact, I think Sean Penn would have been great in there. You think Sean Penn's great in everything. The other great thing about Blue Jasmine is Sally Hawkins' character. Sally Hawkins' performance as Jasmine's sister. He's just so bright and wonderful and she's just, the fact, she's kind of I wouldn't say she's that well known in a wide sense. She's not a massive Hollywood star. She's made some great British films. Made in Dagenham's one. That was just superb. Um, And she's just a really, really brilliant screen presence and very true and very believable. And the fact that she's able to go toe-to-toe with Kate Blanchett at her absolute best and hold her own and make it a, a dual piece, if you like, of the two main characters is testament to what a great actor, actress she is. We'll apologise again because the, the the quality of the yes. line. Terribly Let's sorry go. to our listener. Um, yeah. You took someone to see Blue Jasmine, didn't you? Did I? Oh, don't make me tell your story. That's just embarrassing. Is it? Oh, yes. Did I take a break? No. There's a line in the film about why do you want to marry me? Ah! No, 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 no. I took a break with me. That's not the story. Don't tell me. but, But I did actually take a line from it which actually took me out where I had a conversation... That actually did make me think that. That's the story you told me. Is that you took a date and when you walked out of the cinema, you went, you, you recited that line, and you that, that's it. I'm off. Oh Jesus, you're right. I did. Jesus. Oh God. Thirty years. It's older. Will you give me a break? I wasn't even there, and I know what happened with your life. <laughs> <laughs> my God, you did. Oh my God, I did. Yeah. I drove her back. Yep. And I parked outside. And I said, she said, is there something wrong? And I said, you know that bit in the thing and said, well, would you actually marry me? And I said, and I suddenly realised, no, I wouldn't. And she looked at me and she said, are you talking about me? I thought, well, I better get out of here now then. It was raining that night as well. Oh, 
It always it always rains in Bristol. Isn't that a fool? Thank you very much for reminding me. I've forgotten all about that. That's all right. I find that story hilariously funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you find lots of my stories hilariously funny, and I can never remember them. I know. That's why that that, that often makes them funnier. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so often because none of them are true. That's very true. Yes, I don't even think if you, I'm not entirely sure you actually exist. Right at number four, yeah. the wonderful, wonderful film, Broken. 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 B r o k e n, as in snapped. Broken. Uh, I, th- I thought it was the life story of Terry. No, no, no. Not not Wogan. Broken. Uh, broken. Yes. Yes. Now this again, uh, it didn't get a massively wide cinema release. It seemed to have sort of quite a limited distribution, which was a crying shame because it's another one where there's a young actress in the central role who is utterly stunning. And in this case, it's Eloise Lawrence, and she plays a little a young girl called Skunk, who lives on a housing estate. And the film is about sort of the intertwining lives of what goes on and how one thing affects another. And it starts with a quite a violent introduction. Don't try and interrupt. I'm talking. Um, and it also stars Tim Roth, Killian Murphy, and Rory Kinnear. And it's just wonderfully fragile and uplifting and heartwarming and slightly quirky. And one of the best cinema experiences I had this year. Your job for next year is to take this list of ten, yeah. track them down. I was because they had blockbusters, but they've gone now on Flixnet, and watch them. Expand your horizons. And when you've decided you hate them, you can kill me, but not until then. Next, we're going to have these on there. Do me a favour. Have you have you ever joined Flicknext? Do you know what? I'm on, on my month's free trial, and the one thing I wanted to watch on there, they didn't have. Yes. Of course they bloody haven't. No. They put something bad on there, and they, they thought that would do it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Although you can watch Lilyhammer on there, which is superb. Is it? Yeah. Lilyhammer is oh. wonderful. STV. We'll do another one. Yes. Right, at number three, the third best film of the year was the utterly sublime Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, Missed this one as well, didn't we, sir? Well, you see, immediately we're saying Shakespeare. Yes. It's um, directed by, it's adapted and directed by Joss Whedon, um, the guy who brought the world the Avengers movie. Uh, And it stars all his friends and his cronies from previous films and stuff. And it was shot in 12 days at his house in black and white. It's modern setting, but original dialogue, and it's so laugh-out-loud funny and so fast-paced and quick, and it's just one of the best adaptations of Shakespeare I have ever seen. Really? Yeah, really is that good. Well, it'll be on TV soon, then probably on Channel 4, I would have thought. I'd imagine almost certainly probably next year. Right, at number two, the second, the second best film of the year. Yeah. Gravity. Uh, well, mm, okay. Oh dear, don't tell me you didn't like this one either. The 3D was great, I'll give you that. I mean, you know, um, where Anne Ling had led, these guys followed. I mean, it was a lot of the, well, all of the special effects were done in in London. Um, So it's a great British film. And I mean, I have to say, there were bits in there where... I was dodging out the way of the 3D and yeah. holding my breath and doing all that stuff. But like um, a lot of people, I came out sort of thinking, well, these people who've been telling me I, 
I'd been holding my breath for 30 minutes after I came out of the cinema, and I thought, oh, you, you should be dead by now, then. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick you up on a small, tiny, tiny point. Little, tiny point. What? Your, your claim, because God knows you love that film, that yeah. where, where Ang Lee leads, others follow, falls down yeah. on one tiny, tiny, tiny point. Go on. The guy who wrote and directed Gravity was working on it long before Life of Pi was even in, conceived. He spent seven years working on it. He created whole new ways of filming things to make it look like it was actually in space. It's, it's a hugely groundbreaking film. But look, you're the person who keeps telling me that special effects do not make a film. But they don't, because the whole beauty of Gravity is it's actually about... Sandra Bullock. It's that one set. I mean, it's an amazing performance. It's what she's on screen the whole time. Oh, I have to say, if she doesn't get an Oscar for that, then yeah. you know, totally. I mean, although I do think she may be up, she's going to be up against Kate Blanchett for Jasmine. So, just to do that to annoy people, uh, a, quick, a quick recap as we count down to the best film of 2013, according to the wonderful people at Unsalted Popcorn, which is me and you. At number 10, American Mary, wonderful. At number 9, Filth. At number 8, Law. 7 was the East. 8, 8, 7, 6. I can't count. I only got GCSE maths once. Only God <laughs> forgives. At 5, Blue Jasmine. At 4, Broken. At 3, Much Ado About Nothing. At 2, Gravity. And the best film of 2013 was The Broken Circle Breakdown. <laughs> That's the chap. Banjos all the way. Uh, if I say to you, it's a film about grief, love, death, religion, beliefs, and bluegrass music, you're going to go, what, aren't you? So, are you speaking to me? I am, yes. There's no yeah. one else here apart from the cat. Machine. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, a, it's a hard sell because it, it's not an easy, light-hearted romp. It's a very touching, very dark, very harrowing at times film. And I just fell in love with it the first time I watched it. And then when I watched it again with my wife, when we got to the end of the film, she was bawling her eyes out and she punched me on the arm and she said, why did you make me watch that? And that's why I had to watch the Polar Express the other night. Um, now, I had... can, I just, can I just say that at this point, yes. fine, she's watching it with someone that she can punch on the arm. <laughs> someone whose life is essentially like Raj in the Big Bang. Where <laughs> I, I live alone, I eat alone, and I cry alone. You need a dog like Raj. Inside by my own, then that's fine. Well, tell you what, what you do is you, you repeat the experience you had with Robot and Frank, and you take my sister to see the Broken Circle Breakdown. You'll yeah. both be in tears, and you can decide who punches the other one. Well, actually, you'll both want to punch me, but... Yeah, yeah. You see, the thing was that it, the only place that it was on in Bristol yeah. was at the Arts Cinema. And to be honest, when I go to these places, to the Arts Cinemas and watch this, they laugh in funny places and I want to hit them. No one... Oh, actually, no, there are, there are a couple of funny moments in... There were, there were some funny bits in the Broken Circle Breakdown, in amongst all the tears and the, and the upset and the crying. But you see, this is you've got to stop being a snob. I know it's hard to believe, but you've got to just let go of your prejudice about those who are cleverer than you and just embrace 
Embrace the art house ethos. No! <laughs> <laughs> ah, there we go. So there we have it. The top ten of 2013, and you've only seen two of them. Well, am I allowed to pop in a couple of mine? Oh, go on then, seeing as you're on the line. It's so what, about Roger? what, who? Yeah, Roger. Roger? Roger. Oh, Roger. Roger that. The first film to come out of the South of Saudi Arabia... Uh, directed by a woman, yes. the majority of which she directed through a blacked-out car because she wasn't allowed to do that. The tale of an uh, 11-year-old girl in Saudi Arabia trying to get hold of a bike. Now, you tell me that art doesn't touch me. This film was bloody wonderful. Absolutely marvellous. Absolutely adored it. And yet you won't go and see a Flemish film about death. I mean, it's just, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I really haven't got a clue. Now, if it's the other film about death, I'll go and see that. I don't know what is the fact of good vibrations. Oh, Oops. do you know what? That almost made it into our top ten. How good a film was that? It's fantastic. Isn't Absolutely it? Brilliant. Yeah. You know, now, I know it was released in 2012 in Ireland, but it was 2013 till it got over here. Yeah. And... That was so enjoyable. I put it up there with Telstar, which, oh. again, not a lot of people have actually seen. And it is very dark again, but it's brilliantly done. That, so, Telstar's, the, Telstar's the one set above a shop in London, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was actually actually in the 70s. I worked opposite that, that, uh, that shop. You didn't uh, work in the 70s. Uh, no, I didn't, did I? Have I ever worked? Uh, you d- you dug a ditch once somewhere in Bristol because we drove past and you pointed at it. Ah, uh, that was in Cleveland. That was it, yes. So there you go. You, you worked for an afternoon. Ditch instead of going to my uncle's funeral. That's it. Because why would you go to a funeral when you can dig a ditch? Uh, yeah, but I did give the money to cancer research. Ah, well, in that case, that's all right then. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, do I dig the ditch and t- send the 20 quid to cancer research or do I go to the funeral, which was 200 miles away? And I just sob all the way through it. No. So we've got water and we've got good vibrations. Yeah. And I'm sure there's something else which I meant to mention. Ro- did, you, did you like Robot and Frank? Oh, actually, I really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great film, but it was, it was, it was, it was one of those films you go. If this was on TV again, I'd watch it again. And to be, you know, the fact that it that we came out, my youngest daughter sobbed her out. Oh, she wasn't uh, happy with me for that. Oh, she gave me grief for that. Did she? Yes, she just texted me and went, "That film just made me cry." Oh, bless her. I mean, they only made her cry because poor old Frank is an old guy who basically is living on his own and is pathetic. And she watched it with her dad and realised. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again to all of our listeners. And we shall attempt to put this in some sense of order. I hope to have it up before Christmas. If it's not, that's iTunes' fault, not mine. And we will reconvene in the new year to look at the films that are coming in 2014 and what to look forward to and what to scream about. 